It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Friday, August 19th, the first big fantasy football draft weekend coming at us tomorrow, baby. And we are going to continue to get you set up here on the show today. Uh, we got to break down the Minnesota Vikings and the New England Patriots. Very interesting squads there. Top heavy on the on the Vikings. Maybe not so top heavy on the Patriots, but definitely fantasy potential, no doubt about it. If you want to be set up, though, for your fantasy football drafts, oh, yes, a plug is coming here. Uh, head on over to ftnfantasy.com, where you will not only get access to the award-winning rankings, most accurate in the industry in 2021, uh, projections, my two draft guides, the draft board that I use, my personal draft board. I show up with one piece of paper on draft day. You can get that. Or cheat sheets or whatever, auction values, all of that stuff. And I recommend the Platinum subscription where you get access to League Sync, our Discord server, so you can talk directly to me, private channels. I mean, we, we I'm ans- answering questions in there. <laughs> all of our staff uh, as well. It's a great resource. It really is. I joke, but it is a really great resource. And I have some fun uh, chatting with everybody in there as well. Uh, And then also the tools that we have at our disposal there over at ftnfantasy.com. Promo code RATPACK will get you 20% off. So go and use that promo code over there. Hook it up. Get yourself set up for these drafts so you can dominate those suckers in your leagues. Let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings to start off the show today. Uh, I, I think I should lead with Justin Jefferson because he seems to be the it player in fantasy football right now. Uh, I did put him on the cover of the game plan draft guide over at ftnfantasy.com because I saw this coming. I'm not a genius by any stretch. In fact, probably the exact opposite. But it doesn't take a genius to see the love. There's always a few it guys every single year. And he is that right now. I was in a draft over the weekend where literally, I'm not lying, he went first overall. And there was nothing unique about the draft, just a straightforward one quarterback PPR league. And this dude went first overall. That's where people are on him right now. Now, I'm ranking him seventh overall. And I think he's phenomenal. I really do. But I do think it's a bit of a stretch to be considering him as early as some people are considering him. Some people are drafting him, maybe not first overall, but the earliest I've seen usually is about third, possibly even second. And I think this is a classic example of people wanting a specific player as opposed to trusting their board. And I think trusting your board is one of the most important things you can do on draft day because really on draft day, you don't want to be doing thinking. Like you don't want the thoughts to be there. You want the reaction to be there. you know. And I'm not saying don't don't think at all on draft day. You hear that? Ratcliffe gave some great advice. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is all of the thought process, the thinking, the work, that has to happen before, the, before your draft day. And then your board is built so that you can trust it on draft day. Now, if you build your board and you have Justin Jefferson at third on your board, or if you're using rankings and you adjust the rankings based on your personal preference and you have Justin Jefferson third, okay. Then if you're up at three and he's there, take Justin Jefferson. On my board, he's seven. So that means there are six players that will have to go before I take him. It's just a simple fact of the matter, or else I wouldn't put those guys ahead of him, and I'd have him higher. 
simple fact of the matter. So, in other words, don't fall in love with a certain player. Rank everybody accordingly before the draft on your draft board and then trust your draft board on draft day. Be, just be careful with that when I see this happen every single year. He is awesome, though. He is seventh overall on my board, which is pretty high. He's I only have Cooper Cup ahead of him among wideouts on my board. So, love him. Uh, Adam Thielen. Has scored a lot of touchdowns over the last two years. It was one of those where I, you know, I didn't really pay attention to it too much last year because I had some JJ, but I didn't have any Thielen. And then when I was writing up the the draft guide in the offseason, I'm like, holy crap. Thielen's like a red zone monster now, and apparently that's going to continue this year. So, I mean, he's touchdown dependent. But I, if you get Thielen a decent enough value, I guess it's fine. He just he doesn't profile the way that I like to profile for for fantasy purposes. I like these high ceiling guys. I'm a sucker for a high ceiling guy, and he isn't quite that. But I don't you know I don't hate it as long as you get it the right value with with Thielen. Uh, let's talk about Big Irv. Yeah, uh, KJ Osborne's everybody's late round guy, which is fine. I don't know if there was enough meat on the bone for KJ Osborne to be anything more than like a two or three week standout. Like he'll he'll pop two or three weeks out of the season, and good luck predicting which of those weeks is going to happen. Because JJ is going to eat up a ton of targets. Thielen's going to eat up probably close to triple digit. You know, got got the guys out of the backfield, and then you also have Big Irv. Now Big Irv always banged up. Right now it's a, a he had the finger surgery, so there's that. But he should be ready for the start of the season. He's got such, such a high ceiling, but I'm I'm afraid he's probably not going to be much more than the three for 32 guy. Uh, projecting him pretty much spot on with that. Maybe slightly more efficient from a yardage standpoint than some of the other catch and fall down tight ends out there, but still not blowing the roof off of this thing. And then just four touchdowns. So that means basically four weeks he'll be viable. So keep that in mind. I mean, is he a, a late round guy? Sure, but I'm not just drafting Irv Smith and then calling it a day. I want Irv Smith and Evan Ingram, Irv Smith and David Njoku, Irv Smith and Gerald Everett, something like that uh, in the late rounds because I want to try and swing for the fences with two of these guys if I don't get a guy early uh, who I like. All right, Kirk Cousins has put up numbers over the course of his career, like really good numbers. Is he a great quarterback? No. And and this is like sort of the, the disconnect between fantasy football and on-the-field play sometimes. Sometimes you just don't match up, and I'm fine with that. I don't have to have it match up perfectly so that the best quarterbacks in the world are always scoring the most fantasy points uh, because that does add a little layer of strategy to the game, right? Our game is slightly different than real NFL football, right? In real NFL football, they don't get points for yards, <laughs> Uh, We do. So it's a different game. And knowing those differences and being able to adjust to those differences and being able to take advantage of perceptions that people have in our leagues is crucial. Kirk Cousins as an NFL quarterback, eh. Like, he's a starter, sure. And and not many people on this planet can say that they are capable of being a starting NFL quarterback, and he is one of them. But eh, right? That's the perception of him. For fantasy purposes, it's not that bad. Like, you're never going to get a new and uh, a nice pick, bro, when you put a sticker on the board, and that's fine. That's totally fine because you can get him at a value. Uh, yesterday on the podcast, I talked about uh, Derek Carr 
as one of these late round safe guys, Kirk Cousins is the other quintessential option this year. Like nobody's really going to want him. You can draft him relatively easily as you get into the late rounds, and then you pair him up with a high ceiling guy to swing for the fences. If you if you swing and miss on that dude like Trey Lance or or further back like uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, whatever, you swing and miss. All right, fine, that stinks. You got you cut that guy loose though, and you at least have Cousins to get you through and as you're working the wire to try and hit another home run uh, with whoever this year's like, you know, Justin Herbert type from two years ago is. Guys who aren't drafted who do hit. So that's where we are on Cousins. Uh, Dal Cook, don't worry about the touchdown efficiency from last year. I'm not overly concerned. In fact, I really dig what this offense is going to look like for him. So this offense, right, we have Kevin O'Connell. This is a Sean, another Sean McVay disciple. Uh, his tree for a young dude, his tree is already getting quite expansive. But what what do we expect to see out of a uh, Sean McVay offense? It's it's eleven personnel heavy. I'm not saying to run a three wide a hundred percent of the time, but they're going to be using a lot of three wide sets, eleven personnel. And what that does to the defense is that puts the defense not in their base defense, but in their sub package. In other words, they'll take a linebacker off the field and they'll bring a DB on the field. You know, usually, obviously, it's a a slot corner. So that slot corner uh, is not as formidable to run against as the additional linebacker, right? So now what we have is, yes, uh, you could throw out of this for sure, but the run game has a little bit of an advantage. We saw it with Todd. The Todd Gurley era was sort of the quintessential example of this uh, with McVay. Like, Gurley was running at an advantage all the time. And, and of course, you still have to execute. It's not to discount Gurley in that era, but it, it, it helps. So, Cook's going to get that. Love me some Cook this year. Not worried about the touchdown productivity from last year. And if you draft Alvin Cook, here's what you do. Immediately move Alexander Madison up two rounds on your board to make sure that you get him. He is obviously a very valuable handcuff, and you don't want to mess around with that. And it will be Madison. I mean, Kenny Wangwu looks pretty good. He's actually, I, I'm impressed. It looks like he's really learning the position a lot more. Uh, Ty Chandler looked all right as well in the first preseason game, but it's really, it's going to be Madison. All right, let's move over to the Patriots. And and actually, I want to start at running back with the Patriots because it is a bit of a mess. So James White is retired. Uh, fond farewell to him. A lot of fond memories of him for fantasy purposes. Damian Harris is still there. He looks to be locked into the lead early down role. However, Ramondre Stevenson could be getting that passing down role, that James White role, but he's not James White, right? James White, what's a ceiling for James White carries? Like 80, right? Ramondre Stevenson can get you well over 100 and, and probably well over 150. So it's a little bit of a different look in this backfield. Uh, if that, in fact, does pan out, looks like Ty Montgomery should make this team and maybe J.J. Taylor. The two rookies, Pierre Strong, Pierre Strong's apparently having a bad camp, and um, Kevin Harris hasn't really made waves, so they could be practice squad guys. So it really comes down to picking your poison. Do you want Harris, uh, early down guy on a team that will run the football if they have the lead, or Stevenson, who obviously would be more volatile but gives you the upside as a, as a passing down back? It, it's really tough. Uh, right now, I'm ranking them back-to-back, but they're both in the RB3 range. 
I suppose I would take the one who gives you better value, like the one who goes a little bit later on draft day. Maybe that's Stevenson, but maybe it isn't. Uh, and and they are going in that that range of running backs where I'm looking in the middle rounds. But man, it, it's a little tricky. The Belichickery, as we know, uh, isn't full force here. Moving over to wide receivers. All right, so you got Devonte Parker in. Could he certainly presents an interesting red zone presence the team didn't really have last year for Mac Jones. So you like that, but it's a little bit touchdown dependent. Jacoby Myers is like the opposite of that. He's is he is he going to score a touchdown this year? Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, one, two, what, what, how many is he going to score? He's not going to score many, but he will catch a bunch of passes. So he gives you at least that higher floor, but very low ceiling. Looks like Kendrick Bourne is on the outs, may not make this team. Nelson Aguilar locked in as the three. I say, keep an eye on Tyquan Thornton, uh, obviously blazing fast ran sub four, three at the combine, but apparently has shown a more versatile profile than than what you might typically think of Baylor wide receivers uh, in camp. So he's a deeper name just to keep an eye on. I drafted him a bunch in Dino uh, rookies be, rookie drafts because he was underrated and highest on my board, and and I grabbed him like he's like a third round flyer type. But we'll just keep an eye on him. I don't expect much at least from the jump, but. Could be uh, a little bit of a surprise in the long term. Uh, and it would all also be a surprise if the Patriots finally hit on a wide receiver in the draft. Uh, their best wide receiver is the UDFA, right? The Jacoby Myers, probably their top target. He was undrafted. So, anyway, uh, over to tight end Hunter Henry coming off of a big fantasy year, though not a big volume year. It was touchdown dependent. And John U. Smith is still there. One would have thought that those two would have been Hunter Henry in line, Jonu Smith move last year, and it was the exact opposite. It was Hunter Henry was the move option, and Jonu Smith was more of an inline player, which really surprised me. It could likely stick in that role, so we'll see a little bit of Smith. But really, if you're going to draft one of them, it's Henry. The only challenge he's so touchdown dependent that. I don't know, that volatility for me, I just don't like it. I don't like touchdown-dependent players at any position, but especially at tight ends. Because, like, tight end, these guys could go out one year, have eight, nine, ten touchdowns, and then the next year have two. It's just such a volatile position. All right, let's round it out with Mac Jones. Who? Uh, Mac Jones coming off of a year where he was not the top quarterback selected in his draft class, right? He was not. But yet, despite being decidedly the number five in that class, he was he was really the best on the field. Now, I did say that last year. You can go back to the tape. I, I said he was the most pro-ready of the bunch, and he showed it on the field. He was ready to roll. He was teaching Cam Newton the playbook <laughs> in, in training camp. Like that's so that's still funny to me. And he made some big boy throws. But obviously he was still a rookie. And he didn't have the best surrounding cast. Now, that is taking a step forward this year. There is more talent. It's not great. They're not a bunch of rock stars. But even just the simple addition of Devontae Parker will help the cause for Mac Jones. Now, it's not enough to draft this dude in a one-quarterback league. Not going that far. Just not going to do it. But in a super flex two-quarterback format, I don't know if you can get him as your third quarterback 
but he'd be a pretty darn good one. I don't know if he falls far enough. I want to draft my third quarterback outside of the top 24 on the board, and uh, he may not slip to that point. If he does, though, I am all over it. I'm really all over it. Uh, I think he's going to continue to get better. And and honestly, it's, it's fun. It's fitting that I do these two teams together because I said at his ceiling, Mac Jones is basically a uh, Kirk Cousins plus at his ceiling, which is not a bad thing. Again, I'm not knocking Kirk Cousins at all. All right, that wraps up the pod for today. Uh, after the weekend is over, and if you have any drafts this weekend, hit them hard, man. Just dominate those suckers. Uh, we have New Orleans Saints, New York Giants coming at us uh, after the weekend. So that'll be on Monday uh, with the podcast. Remember, ftnfantasy.com. Go check it out. Even if you just want to see the free stuff, find my author page. We have a bunch of free articles for you to check out there. And if you want the goods, you want to get behind the paywall, behind the velvet rope, Promo code RATPACK for 20% off. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the FTN Fantasy Football Podcast. It's my other pod this season. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side of the weekend for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.